Warning, the following episode contains discussions of child murder and child abuse. Listener discretion is advised. Non-binary pals, nerds everywhere. Welcome back to Nerd Explosion, the weekly podcast or based on a monthly theme. We nerd out about whatever we want. I'm Cameron. I'm Kate. And this month we are diving into probably well, technically something new that we've done here on the podcast. I mean, I've done a couple like a couple episodes kind of like this, but not necessarily a whole month on it. Uh this month we are doing true crime month as per Kate's request. Yay! Exactly why I included that new little, you know, spooky, spooky, ominous intro. It was very spooky. I like it. Yeah, I, I worked really hard on it. I appreciate that. <laughs> it was a whole five minutes of work. <laughs> so, because we're doing a true crime month, um, that means that I get to take control. Because you know how much... Okay, how into the true crime sphere are you? I know, like... Of some cases, like there's some cases I know, but other than that, I'm not as into it as like you are, obviously. So when you say some cases, like what, like what comes like, to mind when you hear the truth, the, fr- the phrase true crime? Like, I mean, I don't know if it technically qualifies as true crime, but like that whole episode I did on Chris Benoit, like when I dived into that. Yeah, I mean, it was a... Obviously, it was a murder homicide, uh, murder suicide. There's all obviously the you know bigger cases, the well known cases that people know, like the Jeffrey Dahmer's, the Ted Bundy's, and stuff. That's about as far as like my biggest true crime knowledge is. Okay, so I'm super excited about this month because we're going into every episode completely blind. And by that meaning, I'm going in blind. You know what you're going to talk about, yeah. and I know jack shit. Um, I condensed <laughs> these notes down as much as I could, but this is going to be a long one because this is one of the cases that I fucking spiral about. <laughs> like, I just... There's an answer. There's clearly an answer, like something happened. Yeah. But it's unsolved. Hmm. Well, as are most, but I'm guessing by your expression and your like the light in your eye it's exciting to say the least so should we crack into it yeah but first of all before we crack into it new episodes of this podcast come out every saturday so you know do all the things that do on the stuff on all the platforms but with that being said caitlin go ahead and crack into it okay does the name jean benet ramsey mean anything to you i don't necessarily remember what happened there but i do remember the name jambonet ramsey wasn't that uh wasn't that a little girl or was that am, am i thinking completely wrong no she was a little girl oh yeah she, yeah she was a little girl uh that's about all i know and wasn't it like a murder case or something like that oh i'm so excited to dive into this okay i spend like this john bonnet is my roman empire like i think about john bonnet ramsey at least once a day yeah Easily. Okay, so I got... I'm just going to cite my sources at the top. I know this case by heart. Okay, I, I'm not kidding. I I Shocker. spend a <laughs> lot of time thinking about John Bonet. Um, I did get More most than of one my, sane person probably should. I will not be looking into what that says about me as a person. Thank you. <laughs> um, 
But I did get most of my information from Wikipedia and um, there's a couple documentaries that I watched that I have watched that I also cited like in my notes. So I'm just going to read you my notes because I condensed it as much as I could, but it's a lot. Yeah. So we're going to start from the beginning. Jean Bonnet Patricia Ramsey was born on August 6th, 1990. So she was a Leo. Shout out. In Atlanta, Georgia, the younger of two children, Patricia Patsy Ramsey, 1956 to 2006, and John Bonnet Ramsey, born 1943. She had an older brother named Burke, born 1987. John Bonnet's first name combines her father's first and middle names, and her mother's first name was used as her middle name. She was enrolled in kindergarten at High Peaks Elementary School in Boulder, Colorado. So going forward, um, they mention John Bonnet and Jean Bonnet. So just to keep things easy, when I'm talking about the dad, I'm just going to call him John. Because mm-hmm. Jean Bonnet is one word. So starting with John, John Ramsey was a businessman who was the president of Access Graphics, a computer software company that later became the subsidiary of Lockheed Martin. His first marriage ended in divorce in 1978. In 1991, John had moved with Patsy, his second wife, and family to Boulder, where Access Graphics headquarters was located. Patsy Ramsey entered JonBenet in various child beauty pageants in Boulder, where she won the titles, respectively, of America's Royal Miss, Little Miss Chevrolet, Charlevoix, Little Miss Colorado, Colorado State All-Star Kids Cover Girl, and National Tiny Miss Beauty. You know, because we had a time in our history where we glorified little kids and put them on a pedestal and be like, hey, look how, look how special my little girl is. Literally. Um, Just from the top, I'm <coughs> anti-beauty pageant. I think they're disgusting. Oh, yeah. They're stupid. Like, what is the point? So now like we, not just explaining. Sorry to interrupt you, but like, just not just the exploiting children thing, but like, literally, what's the point of them? To exploit children for money. Yeah, because I literally see no other reason that. So they're stupid. Anyway, sorry. Okay, continue. so here's where we get into the the meat and potatoes, if you will. After a Christmas party in after a Christmas party on the 25th of December. Patsy put the kids to bed and headed to bed herself. The morning of December 26, 1996, started off as any other day until Patsy realized that her daughter was missing. After she found a two and a half page handwritten ransom note on the kitchen staircase at the Ramsey's at the Ramsey family's Boulder residence. Two and a half page. Two and a note? half pages. So there's no way that would have been done by a child because there's no way. Well, first of all, there's no way a child would write two and a half pages worth of, like... Oh, I'll get to the ransom note, because I could spiral on that alone. Wait, I'm thinking, I'm thinking like, runaway note. I'm like, no way. A ransom no. note is somebody be like, hey, I'll give you this person if you give me this. Yeah. So, so the note demanded 118000 U.S. dollars. John pointed out to police on the first police on the scene that the amount was nearly identical to his Christmas bonus the prior year, which suggested that someone who would have had access to that information would have been involved in the crime. Investigators looked at several theories behind the dollar amount demanded, considering employees of Access Graphics who may have known 
of the amount of John's prior bonus. They also considered the possibility that the ransom demand was a reference to Psalm 118 and spoke of re- spoke to religious sources to determine possible relevance. The ransom note appears on or appears to echo film dialogue, the films Ruthless People, Ransom, Escape from New York, Speed, and Dirty Harry all have like they all have parts or quotes from these movies were in the ransom note. The ransom note was unusually long. The Federal Bureau of Investigation, the FBI, told the police that it was very unusual for such a note to be written at the crime scene. Police believed that the note was staged because it did not have any fingerprints except for Patsy's and the authorities who had handled it. And because it included an unusual use of exclamation marks and initialisms. The note and practice draft and practice draft were written with a pen and notepad from inside the Ramsey home. According to the Colorado Bureau of Investigation, or according to a Colorado Bureau of Investigation report, quote, these are indicators that the author of the ransom note is Patricia Ramsey. Hmm. However, the evidence fell short of a definite of a definitive conclusion. Michael Baden, a board certified forensic pathologist who had consulted with both sides of the case said he had never seen a note like it in his 60-year experience and that he did not think it was written by an outside stranger. A federal court ruled it highly unlikely that Patsy wrote the note, citing six certified handwriting experts. The court bemoaned the existence of the self-proclaimed experts with without credentials, trying to enter the case by accusing Patsy without scientific basis. So... Pretty much everyone, a lot of people were like, yeah, the, Patsy wrote this, but then there were people like, mm, I don't think she did. Right. Even this, though okay, so all these also, experts clearly were like, hey, she wrote this. Also, so at this point, Jean Bonnet <laughs> is still missing, right? Yeah. The police did not secure the crime scene. They did not dust for fingerprints. They did not remove the, the Ramses from the premises to search. They didn't even do a full sweep. Like... At this point, this crime scene is already so botched. Gotta love our American law enforcement system. Right? So, <laughs> here's the ransom note in its entirety. God, you did the whole note Oh, in I there? sure did. Copied and pasted that All bitch. Right. Let's dive in. Because it's just, it's, it's wild. <laughs> okay, so this is the ransom note. Okay. <clears throat> Mr. Ramsey, listen carefully. We are a group of individuals that represent a small foreign faction. We do, crossed out do, we respect your bus- We respect your businesses, but not the country that it serves. At this time, we have your daughter in our possession. She is safe and unharmed, and if you want, to s- if you want her to see 1997, you must follow our instructions to the letter. Okay, if you want her to see 1997, that's such a weird line. <laughs> You will withdraw $118,000 from your account. $100,000 will be in $100 bills, and the remaining $18,000 will be in $20 bills. Make sure that you bring an adequate-sized attache to the bank. When you get home, you will put the money in a brown paper bag. I will call you between 8 and 10 a.m. tomorrow to instruct you on delivery. The delivery will be exhausting, so I advise you to be rested. If we monitor you getting the money early, we might call you early to arrange an earlier delivery of the money and hence and hence an earlier delivery crossed out pickup for your of your daughter. 
By the way, I'm not tripping over my words. This is exactly how this is written. <laughs> so they literally write one thing, cross it so out. So they wrote delivery, crossed it out, and then wrote pickup of your daughter. Oh, yeah, because, you know, pickup sounds so much better. Any deviation of my instructions will result in the immediate execution of your daughter. You will also be denied her remains for a proper burial. Two gentlemen watching over your the two gentlemen watching over your daughter do not particularly like you, so I advise you not to provoke them. Speaking to anybody about your situation, such as police capitalized FBI, etc., will result will result in your daughter being beheaded. If we catch you talking to a stray dog, she dies. If we alert if you alert bank authorities, she dies. If the money is in any way marked or tampered with, she dies. You will be scanned for electronic devices, and if if any are found, she dies. You can try to deceive us, but be warned that we are familiar with law enforcement countermeasures and tactics. You stand a 99% chance of killing your daughter if you try to outsmart us. Follow our instructions, and you stand a 100% chance of getting her back. You and your family are under constant scrutiny as well as the authorities. Don't try... To grow a brain, John. You are not the only fat cat around, so don't think that killing will be difficult. Don't underestimate us, John. Use that good southern common sense of yours. It is up to you now, John. Victory. SBTC. Hmm. So, that to me clearly shows that whoever wrote that knows who he is. Also, I want to point out that the instructions... For getting the cash, yeah. make sure you bring an adequate size attache to the bank. Attache. So, like, a, uh, that to me means, like, briefcase or something like that. So, an attache is, like, it. it's like a duffel bag. It's like a fancy duffel bag. But, like, why is that important? Mm-hmm. Like, it's just the language of the... Uh, like, and, especially then, and then to if start wanna... it with, we are a small foreign faction. Like... Well, the whole, back to the whole like attache thing like just you know to bring that to the bank just to put it in a brown paper bag like why not just keep it in the duffel bag and also what really confuses me is how specific they are about like you know not deceiving us like what was the one part of that if you talk to a stray dog she dies if you dies. talk to a stray dog she dies that's, so that whole thing if you do this she dies if you do this she dies if you do this she dies that's where they're thinking like oh you just ripped this straight out of these these specific movies right because I mean not that I would ever do this but if I was writing a ransom note I would not you know just go through the whole list of like oh if you try to if you try to outsmart me you did this and this and this and this and this just do one blanket statement Right. So at this point, the police have pretty much blundered the entire um, thing. And I got so caught up on the... They just got there and they're like, I don't know. Literally, like they didn't know they didn't know what they was doing. Um, so I got so caught up on the ransom note that I forgot to to explain how Jean Bonnet was eventually found. Yeah. Um, spoiler alert, she's dead. She's been dead this whole time. She's been in the wine cellar. Um, so... Well, yeah, because that's their whole tactic. You know, they get the money, but they don't actually... Without the promise of, you know, returning the girl. They're like, hey, we already killed her, but we're going to take the money and run. She never left the house. Oh. Yeah, no, she she was killed sometime in the night in her own home. She was found in the wine cellar. And the way she was found was John and an officer did another, quote, 
search of the house and John, quote, stumbled upon her body in the wine cellar. I like how and you then, put air quotes on it. Like John was like, uh, oh, no, well, I my have, daughter. I have my thoughts and I'll get to that <laughs> at the end. But so he. How could this have happened? So basically, John Bonet, John Bonet, the, the father, <laughs> scooped up his daughter, ran her back upstairs and was just like screaming. So first of all, he moved the body. Which, so, I mean, in that sense, like, you, I can get why he did it, but still. If you watch any kind of crime show, do not touch the body. Do Yeah, do not ever move the body. Don't move it. Don't touch it. Don't even breathe on it, okay? Like, no. Because that is crucial evidence that you could be tampering with. Yes. So, at this point, Jean Bonnet is unfortunately no longer with us, and um, it this the whole case just gets worse from here. The only people who know... Who, the only people known to be in the house on the night of John Bonet's death were her immediate family, Patsy, John Ramsey, and their son, Burke. The ransom note contained specific instructions against contacting the police and friends, but Patsy telephoned the police at 5.52 a.m. Mountain Standard Time. She also called any family and friends. Two police officers responded to the 911 call and arrived at the Ramsey house within three minutes. They conducted a cursory search of the house, but did not find any sign of forced entry. Officer Rick French went to the basement and came to a door that was secured by a wooden latch. He paused for a moment in front of the door, but then walked away without opening it. French later explained that he was looking for an exit route used by the kidnapper, which was closed, which was closed inside peg, which the closed inside peg ruled out. So that that little place that I just explained right there is where. Jean Bonnet was eventually found. She was behind that door. In that one with the one latch. Yeah. <clears throat> so whoever killed her latched the door behind them. With Jean Bonnet still missing, John made arrangements to pay the ransom. A forensics team was dispatched to the house. The team initially believed that the child had been kidnapped, and Jean Bonnet's bedroom was the only room in the house that was cordoned off to prevent contamination of evidence. At this point, we are well beyond that. Like the whole, this whole crime scene has been contaminated. Right. No precautions were taken to prevent the contamination of evidence for the rest of the house. Meanwhile, friends, victim advocates, and the Ramsey family's minister arrived at the home to show support. Visitors picked up and cleaned surfaces in the kitchen, possibly destroying evidence. Boulder detective Linda Arndt arrived about 8 a.m. in anticipation of receiving further instructions by the kidnappers. But there was never any attempt by anyone to claim the money. At 1 p.m. Mountain Standard, Mountain Standard Time, Detective Arndt asked John Ramsey and Fleet White, a family friend, to search the house to see if, quote, anything seemed amiss. Then this is where I'm getting into how they found her. Yeah. They started the search in the basement. John opened the latch door with Officer French and had that in which Officer French had overlooked and found his daughter's body in one of the rooms. Jean Bonnet's mouth. Okay. Trigger warning. Her death is a little rough. Mm. And I mean, it's it's we should put a trigger warning probably at the top of the episode yeah I'll probably i'll probably edit one <laughs> um, like before the episode because this is i mean any death of a child is horrific but this was rough um jean benet's mouth was covered with duct tape a nylon cord was found around her wrists and ankle her wrists and neck and her torso was covered by a white blanket john picked up the child's body and took it upstairs 
When John Bonet was moved, the crime scene was further contaminated and critical forensic evidence was disturbed for the returning forensics team. Each one of the Ramseys provided handwriting, blood, and hair samples to the police. John and Patsy anticipated a pl- anti- participated in a preliminary interview for more than two hours, and Burke was also interviewed within the first couple of weeks following John Bonet's death. So this is where it gets a little hard to hear because I'm going into the autopsy now. Mm-hmm. So trigger warning. Yeah. <clears throat> The autopsy revealed that John Bonet had been killed by strangulation and a skull fracture. The official cause of death was, quote, asphyxia by strangulation associated with craniocerebral trauma. There was no evidence of conventional rape, although sexual assault could not be ruled out. Keep in mind, she's six. Although no semen was found, there was evidence that there had been vaginal injury. Evidence also suggested that a paintbrush used as used in the garrote was also used for sexual assault. At the time of the autopsy, the pathologist recorded that it appeared her vaginal area had been wiped with a cloth. Her death was ruled a homicide. A garrote that was made from the length of nylon cord and a broken handle of the paintbrush was tied around JonBenet's neck and had apparently been used to strangle her. Part of the bristle end of the paintbrush was found in a tub containing Patsy's art supplies, but the bottom third of it was never found despite extensive searching of the house by police in sub- subsequent days. The autopsy revealed a quote vegetable or fruit material that may present that may represent pineapple, which John Bonet had eaten a few hours before her death. Photographs of the home taken on the day when John Bonet's body was found show a bowl of pineapple on the kitchen on the kitchen table with a spoon in it. However, neither John nor Patsy said they remembered putting the bowl on the table or feeding the pineapple to John Bonet. Police reported that they found John Bonet's nine-year-old brother Burke Ramsey's fingerprints on the bowl. The Ramseys have always allowed or have always said that Burke slept through the entire night until he was awakened several hours after the police had arrived. I could spiral on that alone too but i will get to that at the end i have Mm -hmm. i have my thoughts (laughs) in december of 2003 forensic investigators extracted enough material from a mixed blood sample found on john benet's underwear to establish a dna profile that dna profile belonged to an unknown male person and excluded the dna of each of the ramses the dna was submitted by the fbi's combined data index system or codis a database containing more than 1.6 million DNA profiles, but the sample did not match any profile in the database. In October of 2016, a report said that a new forensic that a new forensic analysis with more sensitive techniques revealed the original DNA contained genetic markers from two individuals other than John Bonet. Experts, media media commenters, and the Ramseys have identified potential suspects in the case. Boulder police initially focused almost exclusively on John and Patsy, but by October 1997, had over 1,600 people in their index of of persons of interest for the case. Errors that were made in in the initial investigation complicated the resolution of the investigation and applicable theory. 
These errors included loss of contamination, loss and contamination of evidence, lack of experienced and technical staff on the investigation, evidence shared with the Ramses, and delayed inform, delayed informal interviews with the parents. So here's a couple of theories that people have. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> theory number one: the family did it. So here's theory number one. There are two primary theories about the death of Jean Bonnet. One is that the family member theory. The Boulder police initially concentrated almost exclusively upon the parents, John and Patsy Ramsey. According to Gregory McRae, a retired profile for the FBI, quote, statistically, it is a 12 to 1 probability that it's a family member or a caregiver who is involved in the homicide of a child. The police saw no evidence of a forced entry, but they did see evidence of staging a scene, such as the ransom note. They did not find the Ramseys cooperative in helping them solve the death of their daughter. The Ramseys had said that their reluctance was due to their fear that there would not be a full investigation for intruders and that they would be hastily selected as key suspects in the case, according to the Daily Camera. One theory is that Pansy struck... Pansy... One theory is that Patsy struck Jean Bonnet in a fit of rage after a bedwetting episode and strangled her to cover up what had happened, after mistakenly, mistakenly thinking she was already dead. However, Patsy did not have a known history of uncontrolled anger. Jean Bonnet's brother, Burke Ramsey, later said, We wouldn't get spanked, or we didn't get spanked, nothing of the sort, nothing close, nothing near laying a finger on us, let alone killing your child. Theoretically, the strangulation could have been as could have been a, quote, red herring aspect to conceal the other elements of the assault and killing. Hmm. Burke, who was nine years old at the time of John Bonet's death, was interviewed by investigators at least three times. The first two interviews did not raise any concerns about him. A review by a child psychologist stated that it appeared that the Ramseys had a, quote, healthy, caring family, that had healthy, caring family relationships. In 1998, Boulder Police Chief Mark Beckner said during an interview with a news reporter that Burke Ramsey was not involved in the the killing of his sister. In May 1999, the Boulder County District Attorney's Office reiterated that Burke Ramsey was not a suspect. The investigators had never considered him a suspect. The Ramseys offered a $100,000 reward in in a newspaper ad dated... April 27th, 1997. Three days later, more than four months after the body of their daughter was found, they submitted for the first time to separate formal interviews at the Boulder County Justice Center. In 1999, Colorado Governor Bill Owens spoke out, telling the Ramsey couple to, quote, quit hiding behind their attorneys, quit hiding behind the PR firm. Got him. Got him. A Colorado grand jury voted in 1999 to indict the parents. The indictment cited, quote, two counts of two counts each of child abuse and said that the parents, quote, did unlawfully, knowingly, recklessly and feloniously permit a child to be unreasonably, unreasonably placed in a situation that posed a threat of injury to the child's life or health, which resulted in the death of Jean Benet Ramsey, a child under the age of 16. Mm hmm. Among the experts who testified in the case were DNA were were DNA specialist Barry Sheck, I don't know if I'm saying that right, but and forensic expert Henry Lee. On October 13th, 1999, 
Alex Hunter, who was the desert, who was the district attorney at the time, refused to sign the indictment, saying that the evidence was insufficient for prosecution. The public thought that the grand jury investigation had been inconclusive. In 2002, the statute of limitations on the grand jury's charges expired. The grand jury's vote to indict was not released was not revealed publicly until October 25th, 2013, when previously sealed court documents were released. The case of JonBenet Ramsey, a show broadcast on CBS on September 18th and 19th, 2016, used a group of experts to evaluate the evidence. The group theorized that Burke had hit his sister in the head with a heavy object, possibly a flashlight, after she had stolen a piece of pineapple from his bowl, perhaps not inte- not intending to kill her. They suggested that the ransom letter was an attempt to cover up the circumstances of John Bonet's death. On behalf of Burke Ramsey, his counsel filed defamation lawsuits against CBS, the producers of the program, and several of its participants based on its many claims. So that's the first theory. That was all just one theory? That was one theory. Yikes. So the second theory, and this one's a long one too, but this is, we're getting to the end of my written notes and then I have thoughts. No, oh, yeah. Um, <clears throat> theory number two, the intruder. The second theory is the intruder theory. The police and prosecutors followed leads for intruders partly due to the unidentified boot mark left in the basement room where John Bonet's body was found. Early persons of interest included neighbor Bill McReynolds, who played Santa Claus, because remember, they had just gone to that Christmas party the night before. Yeah. Chris Wolf, a local reporter whose then-girlfriend reported him as a suspect. Family housekeeper Linda Hoffman Puff, and a man named Michael Helgoth, who died in an apparent suicide shortly after Jean Bonnet's death. Hundreds of DNA tests were performed to find matched the DNA recovered during her autopsy. In a 2003 defamation lawsuit related to the case Wolf vs. Ramsey, involving the Ram- Ramseys publicly identifying an early suspect in the case, Judge Julie E. Carnes wrote, quote, There is no vitality, no evidence to support Wolf's theory that the Ramseys murdered their child but abundant evidence to support the Ramsey's belief that an intruder entered their home at some point during the night of December 25th, 1996, and killed their daughter. Lou Smith, a detective on the case, assessed the evidence and concluded that an intruder had committed the crime. On the night John Bonet was killed, there had been two windows that were left slightly open to allow for electrical cords for the outside Christmas lights to pass through. No broken, a broken basement window and one unlocked door. Smith's theory was that someone entered the Ramsey home through the broken basement window. Critics have questioned this theory because there was an intact cobweb on the basement window. The steel grate that covered the window also had also been undisturbed, also had undisturbed cobwebs, and the foliage around the grate had been undisturbed. There were also cobwebs in the tracks of various windows and dust and debris were on some sills. Smith believed that the intruder subdued Jambonet using a stun gun and took her downstairs, took her down to the basement. Jambonet was killed and a ransom note was left. Smith's theory was supported by a former FBI agent, John E. Douglas, who had been hired by the Ramsey family. 
believing that the Ramses were innocent, Smith resigned from the investigation on September 20th, 1998, five days after the grand jury was convened against the Ramses. While no longer an official investigator on the case, Smith continued to work on it until his death in 2010. Author Stephen Singler, author Stephen Singular, in his book Presumed Guilty, 1999, revised in 2016, refers to the consola- consolations with cybercrime specialists to argue John Bonet attracted the attention of a chi- of child pornographers and pedophiles affiliated with the child pageant scene. Singular further believes that the investigation was overly focused on the Ramsey parents, hampering investigations at, into alternate alternate scenarios. And Dorian, Ram- you got something to say? He's mad about this case. <laughs> Literally hop between the microphones just start screaming. Oh, then I lost my place. Did I make you lose your place? Yes. Did Dorian make you lose your place? <laughs> Way to go, Dorian. Um, oh, the Ramses were not responsible for the murder other than perhaps unwittingly exposing their daughter to sexual predators. <laughs> Singular speculates this scenario explains why the grand jury did not recommend indicting the Ramsey parents for the murder, but for the child abuse or endangerment for placing their daughter in a risky situation. It was determined that there had been more than 100 burglaries in the Ramsey's neighborhood in the months before John Bonet's murder. There were 38 registered sex offenders living within a two-mile radius of the Ramsey home. That's just wild to me. Every time I read that, I'm like, 38 (laughs) in two miles? In 2001, former Boulder County prosecutor Trip DeMuth and Boulder County Sheriff's Detective Steve Ainsworth stated that there should be a more aggressive investigation of the intruder theory. One of the individuals whom Smith identified as a suspect was Gary Howard Olivia, who was arrested for two counts of attempted sexual exploitation of a child and one count of sexual exploitation of a child. Charges in June 2016, according to Boulder's Daily Camera. Olivia, a registered sex offender, was publicly identified as a suspect in an October 2002 episode of The 48 Hours Investigates, The Killing of Jean Bonnet, The Truth Uncovered, broadcast by A&E on September 5th, 2016. Nope, sorry, hold on. Olivia, a registered sex offender, was publicly identified as a suspect in in an October 2020, 20, an October 2002 episode of 48 Hours Investigates. The Killing of John Bonnet Ramsey, The Truth Uncovered, broadcast by A&E on September 5th, 2016, concluded that an unidentified male was responsible for John Bonnet's death, based on a forensic DNA analysis of evidence. In the documentary, DNA and forensic scientist expert Lawrence Koblinski stated that, quote, an unidentified male committed this crime. The district attorney's office investigating pedophiles indicted indicated to former Denver prosecutor Craig Silverman that the district attorney's office followed the intruder theory. The Ramseys developed a relationship with district attorney Mary Lacey and her office, which was criticized by authorities such as the city's mayor, Leslie L. Durgan, 
Silverman said, quote, once you have been cons... Once you have conceded the possibility of an intruder, I don't see how any Ramsey could ever be successfully prosecuted. End quote. Gordon Combs joined the office as an investigator under Lacey when they were testing JonBenet's clothing for a touch DNA. He also said that Lacey strongly supported the intruder theory and talked about it with the staff. Although he was not directly involved in the case, he said that he was told he was told not to voice opposition to the theory because he might lose his job quote it just seemed weird the whole premise of this attempt to influence the entire agency he stated interesting i have some thoughts i have some thoughts as well what are your thoughts um now hearing this case what do you think I don't know, honestly, who to believe because, I mean, it would have made a lot of sense if the parents did it because, like you said, they, there was no hard evidence of an intrusion. So, you know, the only people that could be responsible would, would have been the parents. But if it's not the parents, then it has to be somebody close to the parents. Somebody who knows, you know, how to get into the house without, you know, being obvious. Right. So... I know my thing is I feel like it was the parents that did it, but also there's it could very strongly be somebody who was close to the parents, like somebody close to the family. So I like go, an outside influence. I go back and forth, and here's the things that I get caught up on: the fact that in the autopsy they said she had undigested fruit or vegetable that was later determined to be pineapple. Undigested, and, so. Obviously, ate right before. So she ate it right before or shortly before she died. The fact that both John and Patsy were like, we don't know where this bowl of pineapple came from. But if you look at the crime scene pictures, it's this big ass bowl of pineapple and milk, which was a favorite snack for the kids. They That was their like go to snack was pineapple and a bowl of milk. Yeah. And the spoon that they have next to this bowl of pineapple is like a serving spoon so if you look at it from a surface it's like oh a child put that together yeah pineapple like they didn't, milk with because a parent or an adult would not give a serving spoon or they want you to think a child did it right but the fact that they were both like we didn't do that but we know she ate it and we know that it was out because it's there's evidence of that we know she ate it because it's it's clearly there. And for a long time, I for a long time I fully believed Burke killed Jabonet. Well, how do you know she ate pineapple? I mean, look at it. <laughs> also, it's in her stomach, so she ate it. Um, for a long time, I thought Burke killed Jabonet. Now I don't. I don't think I believe that. Yeah, I wouldn't say Bert is... But I don't... I don't think he's completely innocent in Here's the thing. Here's my theory. Because they said that assault could not be ruled out, right? Yeah. Here's what I think. I think somebody in that family killed her. Didn't mean to do it. I think it was just... I think it was a heat of the moment kind of thing. Maybe Bert got mad that he she took his pineapple... Maybe John got mad about something, hit her in the head, was like, fuck, you know, like she's not getting up, thought she was dead, strangled her, staged the scene, used the paintbrush to make it look like she had been assaulted, to make it look like somebody had broken and done this to her. Because I fully, with my whole being, believe that Patsy wrote that ransom note. 
I mean, in that case, I don't know which is worse. Somebody actually going through this whole deal to murder her or the people, you know, doing this as a setup, so to speak. It definitely, if you watch interviews with the family, Burke just looks haunted. I mean, something again, because they said, you know, like, oh, well, he didn't wake up till several hours later, blah, blah, blah. Well, when Patsy makes the 911 call, because you can listen to the 911 call, when she makes the 911 call, she is frantic on the phone to the to the operator. But there's a moment after she thinks she hung up that she's totally calm and collected. And she was like, OK, I called the police. Now what? And then you can hear a voice in the background. And then she turns and says something to the voice. And every Every single person who listened to that 911 call said, she's talking to Burke. So if she is talking to Burke when she's on the phone with 911 at 6.55 in the morning, then he did not wake up after the police got there. Hmm, something seems, seems a little fishy. I fully believe, fully, with my whole being, believe that one of them had something to do with her death. Yeah, it definitely sounds like the family is like trying to put in, pull one over everyone's eyes. Mm-hmm. So I mean, because I I I like the idea of an intruder, but there's just so much like that had to be if if it truly was somebody that broke in. Sorry, you literally just unplugged my fucking headphones. If that, if somebody truly had broken in, that has to be the luckiest human being in the whole world to completely avoid messing up the foliage outside, to completely avoid the the cobwebs, like. And then also, yeah, whoever. Also, <laughs> if they that's had the case. to have gone. They would have had to find Jonbenet's room. Then bring her down to the cellar, and they had to hope nobody else woke up, and then to leave through the cellar door, latch it behind them, and then what? Walk out the front door? Right. Like and the the, well, the like intruder thing just doesn't make any sense. To yeah, because that's the thing with the intruder thing. Like even if they managed to sneak in, you know, latch the door behind them again, how are they getting back out? Right. They, they're like, there's no way they can easily sneak back out. Well, that's kind of what that one in. detective was saying was like, I was looking for an escape route and there just isn't one that makes sense. Right. And it wouldn't because make even sense. If like, they something went, would have been disturbed if they went back out the same way they came in. Supposedly. Right. And if they went, if they allegedly came, went back out the same way they came in, then how did that cellar door get latched? That is true. You know what I mean? Yeah. And then it just... So here's the thing. When somebody calls to report a crime, and it's statistically proven. I don't know exactly the statistics off the top of my head. Bro, I go hard into true crime. I am a true crime junkie. I love this shit. I'm not like a crazy person, and I'm not glorifying like murderers and stuff but it's just the psychology behind true crime and like well yeah because that's the whole thing is like it's not glorifying of it it's just you well, know, and a I fascination give a, i want to like, give a voice to the victim like john bonnet deserves justice i agree yeah. i mean this case is let's see she was killed in 96 so still this, case, to this, this case is almost 30 years old that's crazy like yeah, I mean, this year will be 28 years since she's been gone. And 
it's the weird thing with that is I don't know if it's they're ever like still gonna like try to solve it or oh, if at this point will, it's just I mean I die. think it's I believe it is still an open case but it is cold cold it is it, it, it has been in the freezer for well over a week yeah I mean I genuinely I don't think they'll ever solve it unless somebody confesses I think that's what we're waiting for I mean, stranger things have happened. I mean, there was the person who came through or came for him about Tupac's death, like years after that happened. Right. So, there so is, maybe there is still a possibility that more could come out about it. I guess. And here's the thing, and I'm talking to you, listeners. If you know something, say something, because that's the only way a lot of these cases get solved. Like literally, I mean, that's kind of why, like, not to like praise this generation but that's one good thing about this generation is that there are literally like cameras and people videoing stuff everywhere so there are like if we had back then what we have now the case probably would have been solved a lot faster and would have well it wouldn't still be open to this day the case could have been solved a lot quicker if we had competent police work though that too you know if police weren't stupid but also with stuff like genetic genealogy and um shout out crime junkie shout out ashley and Britt. they founded a nonprofit called season of justice and they're literally every penny that they earn goes towards solving cold cases like they test rape kits they test dna like they do all that stuff because at the end of the day most most police stations and most you know don't have the resources that they need Mm -hmm. i mean look at your local pathologists like your your coroner they're they've got bodies on bodies on bodies you know and if they're working on something and a brand new homicide comes in they have to put this thing on hold because they need this evidence you know they just don't have the resources and the thing i just thought of too like like a downside like if something came out today about it the downside of it coming out in today's society is, with, you know, with all the AI stuff, you know, a lot of people will just kind of push that to the side. Just be like, oh, that's bullshit. That's not true. Mm-hmm. Because there's, you know, there is AI new stuff out there that will come out. It's some random bullshit that is not true at all. Here's but it's I, still very convincing to, I mean, not to call it boomers or anything, but it's especially convincing to older people be like oh this is doing like no no grandma that's fake like there's a couple cases that i know we are on the cusp of solving because i keep seeing news headlines like madeline mccain i believe her disappearance can be solved and i might well i'm not going to cover that one this week because it's not one of the four i picked out (laughs) but long story short she went missing in a not aruba where did she go missing from I don't know. Her parents were on vacation and literally she went missing like 50 feet from where her parents were having dinner. Oh, wow. Because they were, she was in a hotel room with her younger sibling and her parents were like across the street at a table eating dinner. They could see the door from where they were. And then one of the parents went back every half hour to check on the kids. So mom would go check on the kids and then 30 minutes later dad would go and then 30 minutes later mom would go again so sometime within a 30 minute time span and in the view of her parents she vanished quite a mystery and i know 
that is going to be solved. I feel it in my bones. But it's stuff like that. Like like the John Bonet case, that is not going to get solved unless somebody confesses. I mean, yeah, there's quite a good possibility that this case would just die out unless something happens, like you said. Unless something just, you know, comes out of nowhere. But I guess uh, final th- final thoughts, or is there more you wanted to say? I just like I'm just shooketh because <laughs> this case makes me so mad. Well, yeah, because incompetent police, the parents just messing with all the evidence but that and is, stuff. That is what I believe because usually the simplest answer is the correct one, mm-hmm. and simply put. It couldn't have been anybody else. I don't know if it was John or Patsy. I'm fairly confident that it wasn't Burke. But I don't know for sure. But I know for a fact. I feel 100%. And again, this is all alleged because they have not been officially named as suspects. But I feel it is my personal opinion that Patsy 100% wrote that ransom note. Because they even said in a couple of the documentaries I watch on this case that the language in the note used was language that she was known to use. Like the whole bringing the attache to the bank. Like that was something she would have said. Like literally people who kidnap kids or murder kids normally wouldn't use the word attache. Yeah. Or like the the amount of the money being almost exactly what John's bonus was. Like that there's just too much in the note that makes me believe that she 100% wrote it. Especially when you consider that the pad that it was written on and the pen came from inside the kitchen. No kidnapper is going to sit at your kitchen table and write a two and a half page ransom note. Fold it up neatly. Put it on your staircase put the pen and the pad back where they found it and then leave like that. That's just not going to happen. Right. It's statistically improbable. I mean, I definitely, I'm, I mean, I'm convinced that it was the parents. Like I said, I don't know. Or somebody like, I don't know which one specifically, but I do know that they're all covering for each other's ass. I was, um, I don't know, my, I guess my personal thoughts is like, if it's not necessarily the parents, it's somebody close to them, and the parents worked with them to cover everything up. So how was that? That was... For your intro a, that was true crime. a lot more information than I initially knew about the case. All I knew was that, I mean, just before, all I knew about this whole thing was that this little girl died, it was possibly the parents or somebody else, but I didn't know all the, like details details of it but yeah that was wow that was a whole ass roller coaster with ups and downs and you know uh, maybe a few loop-de-loops in there and then a one slow part where you're going all the way up to the top and then you just woo. i literally jean benet ramsey is my roman empire and that's gotta be one of the more well-known true ground cases, like one right? of the one of the podcasts that i listen to posed the question and I would I would shout them out but I don't remember which one I was listening to um posed the question if you could solve or if you could know the answers to one case one case and never 
know the answer to anything else ever again, what would it be? And without hesitation, I was like, John Bonnet Ramsey. Well, yeah, because, I mean, like you said, almost like a little over, almost a 30-year-old case, like, like there's idea. there's a bunch of unsolved cases that I'm like like the Black Dahlia and um oh shoot I can't remember her name um there was a girl that was found in a um water storage situation in a hotel uh Lamb Lamb uh Alicia Lamb Alicia Lamb I vaguely something remember like something about that um I would love to know what happened there. But not as much as I need to know what happened to JonBenet. Yeah, for sure. I'm not kidding. It is my Roman Empire. I think about it <laughs> every day. <laughs> I'll be in the middle of a haircut and I'll be like, somebody in that house has to know something. <laughs> just while you're tolerant someone's hair and be like, there's got to be justice for that girl. Well, and... <laughs> any Your secrets, be like, any huh, secrets. Oh, nothing, nothing. Oh, this tiller's going to look good on you. The Ramses. <laughs> Any secret that Patsy had, she took to her grave because she did unfortunately die of cervical cancer or ovarian cancer in 2016. 2016. Hold on, let me pull up my notes. Because, I mean, that's unfortunately, and if she died, then if she's responsible at all, then, you know, like you said, that, that. Evidence. She died in 2006, and I believe it was cervical cancer. Yeah, the any evidence, any evidence tied to her just, you know, died with her. Yeah, anything that she knew. Oh, ovarian cancer. Yeah. June 24th, 2006. But, like, I need to know what happened to JonBenet. Look at her face. She's just a baby. Yeah, I mean, you said she was six. Well, and the thing that I hate the most about this case is that they used hypersexualized photos of her. Like, she does not look like a little girl in any picture, which is just sickening because she was six years old. I mean, (laughs) right. Protect their children. This one one was the one that was all over the news. I do remember that. Yeah, I remember seeing that all over the place. Um, for our listeners, her hair is blown out straight. She's got red lipstick on and a white ruffled shirt. And she does not look like a six-year-old. If you Google Jean Bonnet and click on images, it's the second one that comes up. And that's... Is that J-O-H-N? So Jean Bonnet is spelled J-O-N-B-E-N-E-T. Just in case people want to look it up for themselves. But look, this is her kindergarten picture. Look at her. She's just a baby. Just a baby. She's just a baby. That is, can I just say, that is a 90s photo if I've ever seen it. Also, the picture, her kindergarten picture, in my opinion, is way cuter than any of these pageant pictures. Well, yeah, because it's not fake. Like, seeing a little girl all dolled up like this, like, it gives me the ick. Like, hardcore. It, like, I don't like it. Yeah, no, that's just, yeah, that's that's not right. And but like I, this one, I know there's still child look at how pageants. sassy she is. I'm glad more people are kind of out of that, and the whole stigma against it is that they're horrible. So people are they're less they're you know less popular. What's the word I'm looking for? 
they're not as not as socially prominent acceptable. as they used to be. Um. Also, I do maybe have, more in southern states, but I don't know. I do have to say, um, I am more inclined to believe that it was one of the parents, and not necessarily Burke, uh, because the he did a recent interview, and he is just he is so haunted. Well, yeah, because I mean, he he sister was murdered. He has this like thousand yard stare, and he's kind of an awkward kid anyway. I mean, he always had been, but he just like you can tell that a part of him died when Jean Bonnet died, and you can also tell, in my opinion, that he knows more than what he's saying. He's just afraid to. Because one of the parents is still the dad is still alive, right? John Bonnet is still alive. Yes. I have a sneaky suspicion that once the dad goes, the Burke will, and then Burke will be like, "Okay, here's everything." I see, and that's what most people think is that once John, once John dies, Burke is going to be like, "Okay, let me tell you what happened." Well, yeah, because once the dad goes, there's nobody also, left to go after him. But I could also see if he if if Burke does know something, if he does know what happened, and he's truly. It would not surprise me if it came out later in life that one of the parents killed John Bonet, whether it was intentionally or not, killed her, staged the scene, what have you. It would not surprise me to know that they told Burke he could be in trouble if it ever came out, that he would be facing well yeah that would explain the whole thousand yard stare thing because obviously you know you'd be traumatized to believe that like oh like this would be this would be my fault it's like those situations with children who are horrifically abused they're manipulated in such a way that they think this is my fault like nobody's gonna believe me i'm gonna be in trouble so it wouldn't surprise me to know that burke is struggling with that as well not to say that he was abused but just to be like, oh, well, I'm going to get in trouble for this. Even though he may very well be innocent and just be completely, I mean, he may, at the very at the very worst, he's an accomplice after the fact. You know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. But it would be interesting, not that I'm wishing death on anybody, but it would be interesting to see if Burke has anything to say after his dad like dies. Like what changes after the dad dies? Yeah. So that Boy. was Jean Bonnet. That was a very, very condensed version. Because, like I said, this case I was is, there's a lot more to it. There's, but there's a lot condensed into yeah, where we're at like an hour now. Yeah, and I whipped through those notes really fast because I was typing them up, and I was like, "That's not really that important. That's not really that important." Well, yeah, and that's the thing too. You don't keep out not necessarily relevant stuff. You know, just like the, just the just the the spicy details. Just you know the main, the main spices in this this chili of murder. <laughs> I'm gonna I want to put that on a t-shirt. Spices in the chili of murder. Spices in the chili of murder. Uh, but yeah, I guess with that, that all we had to have. We had to. That was all I had. I'm so excited to tell you my case for next week. I guess we'll find out, okay, or I'll here, find out. Here's the thing. I have three more cases picked out. I just don't know. It'll be a surprise to me which one I end up going with. Yeah. 
because I don't know which one I want to do next. I knew I wanted to do JonBenet first because I feel like JonBenet is everybody's intro into true crime because it's such a fucked up case. And it'll be a surprise to me because I literally know nothing of what you're planning. Because I told you I wanted you, I wanted to get your genuine reaction. And I, mean, and I didn't want you to be able to research beforehand. I mean, to be fair, I kind of brought this on myself after subjecting you to a whole month of Kingdom Hearts. Yeah, so now you get to know how I feel when you listen to me talk about true crime. <laughs> and I get, I look over at you from that side of the couch and I just see that glazed look in your eye. What? <laughs> But yeah, I guess with that. But by the end of this month, you're gonna be a true crime junkie too. No, probably. And we're gonna listen to our podcast together. (gasps) It's gonna be so great. Actually, I think you should listen to Murder with My Husband. Shout out Garrett and Peyton Moreland because I think you'd enjoy it. I might actually because I've been thinking of other podcast stuff to add. Because Garrett reminds me a lot of you, actually. Like he's not in the true crime sphere like Peyton is. Yeah. But he's just like the more every it's every case they cover it's so funny. He's like, are there security cameras? What about the security cameras? Are there cameras? <laughs> but yeah, I think with that, call it an episode here. I'm definitely looking forward to the rest of these episodes. I'm so excited. I month. love true crime. Uh, if you guys enjoy these true crime episodes, let me know on social medias. Link is in the link tree in the description. Or if you just want to say hi. Go there too, you know, just do. If you have any true crime case suggestions, pop them in. Maybe I'll find one that I like better than my three choices. Yeah, pop them in just anywhere, anywhere you can do, anywhere you can do all the things that do all the stuff. But I guess with that being said, bring it to a close, drink your water, do positive things out there. I've been Karen. I've been Kate. You can find me on Instagram at Kate vs. The World. And as always, we'll see you in the next one. Nerds out.